Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Thank you so much for being here today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us and be glad in it. That's exactly right. Thank you. Thank you so much. If this is the very first time that you are here today, we'd love for you to take the opportunity, if you haven't already, and take the guest card in the pew in front of you, fill it out in its entirety, and when you leave today, put it in one of our offering boxes when you uh, exit. We would certainly appreciate that at one of the exits. Today, our focus is on worshiping God. It is on the Logos, the Word, Jesus. And this morning, we're going to worship Him. Join me in prayer, and we'll continue to sing songs of joy. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come. And Lord, we know that there are numbers of our folks that are sick. We pray you'll be with them and encourage them and the folks that have gathered here today that joining together, that we will celebrate you. And that Father, every song that we sing and every prayer that is prayed, every word that is spoken would be an aroma of praise to you. And at the same time, Father, an encouragement and a challenge for each of us. So we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to work in our midst and each one of us today that we will experience you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Let's stand together as we sing. Majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name. Joyful, joyful, we are. 
What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We praise you, Lord, with song from the heart, and you've touched our soul with the spirit. So be with us now, Lord, as we offer our prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for the time that we have together in this house of worship. It is good, Lord, to be with those of the house of faith. And we thank you that you have provided this wonderful facility for us to come to. We praise you, Lord, with our hearts and our minds, knowing that the world is troubled greatly with the COVID virus and all of the hatred that exists. And we know, Lord, that in your day, you will conquer all of this. And in your time, you will conquer it. And in your time, you will make life more pleasant for all of us. Thank you for our pastor. We praise him, Lord, and thank you that you have sent him to us and he's been such a blessing to this church. We thank you for the musicians who joyfully play and rehearse and present these beautiful hymns of worship to you. So Lord, now that as we continue in our worship and praise to you, we want to let you know how much you mean in our lives and how much that we love you. So be with us now through this worship service and accept our humble pleas Lord in this time. And be with us through the coming week. Be with us and guide us so that our steps will be in steps of righteousness and that other people will know who we are by the way we live our lives that we are followers of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Just when I need him most, just when I need him most, Jesus is near to comfort and cheer, just when I need him most. Let's sing. Just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear, ready to help me, ready to cheer. Just when I need him most, just when I need him most, just when I need him. Jesus is here to comfort and cheer just when I need him most. Just when I need him, Jesus is strong, bearing my burdens all the day long. For all my sorrow, giving us strong. Just when Surrender. 
again a cappella and reflect on those words grace alone which God supplies grace alone which God supplies strength morning. Our scripture reading for today is from John 1, 1 through 4, and 11 through 14. You may follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word of the Lord. satisfied with Jesus. He has done so much for me. He has suffered to redeem me. He has died to set me free. I am satisfied I am satisfied with Jesus. My 
But the question comes to me as I think of Calvary. Is my master satisfied with you? The man was old. His beard was long and it was shaggy. His eyes were the eyes of a dreamer, soft, gentle, but piercing. He sat alone on an island in the midst of the Mediterranean Sea, and before him was a scroll, and above that scroll was a stylus. He was in deep meditation, and his thought must have run something like this. How can I get over to them something like this? How can I get over to them all the greatness, the majesty, and the grandeur of him for whom I am in exile? And John, his answer came in one word, the Greek word logos. The word logos, we translate it word, but it is much more. It is idea, reason, and speech all rolled in to one. Summarized, it means that God revealing himself to people in terms that they can understand. In essence, it's God's revelation to us. There are three things that uh, seem to come out of this passage that we have read and an understanding of that term, logos. 
First, we find that God's revelation is found in the meaning of the words. The Greek word logos, how we translate words. In John 1, 1 and 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh. Logos, Logos, Logos is the word in each of these phrases. There are three things that it communicates well. Number one, it means that Jesus always was. He didn't begin at birth, nor did he become God at his baptism and leave him before the death upon the cross at Calvary like some Gnostics believed and were teaching in their heretical teachings in the early in the early church of him the bible says that he is without beginning of days and end of life in hebrews 7 3 the scripture also says john himself in revelation 1 8 quoting jesus i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end says the lord who is and was and who is to come the Almighty. It means the Word, Jesus, has always been. He always was, He always is, and He will always be. As the writer in Hebrews said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It gives understanding to us that Jesus always has been. It also communicates very clearly this meaning of Logos, that he was fully God. The Corinthian Gnostics denied Jesus' deity. Instead, they said that the being of Christ came upon Jesus at his baptism and left him before he died upon the cross at Calvary. So that incredible Christ being came upon this human man but left him before he died. And yet the Bible tells us the Word was God. Always has been. Fully God. Completely God. That being did not come upon a human being to inspire them and use them as a vehicle in that short time between the baptism and the crucifixion, but rather the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God becoming man, him tabernacle him, himself for us, tells us that God is fully God. The, the words show a, a reality and not a symbolism. He wasn't like God. He isn't a picture of God. He is God. People ask him in John 14, verse 8, show us the Father. And you know what he answered? He who has seen me has seen the Father. In essence, what he said was, I am God. So God's revelation is found in that meaning of the word, word, 
means Jesus always was. It means he was fully God. And there's a third meaning, which gives us understanding that he is also fully man. In verse 14, he said, the word became flesh. We just celebrated Christmas, that beautiful incarnation of Christ, spoken up in prophecies from the very beginning in Genesis, in the mind of God, before he spoke creation into existence. The word became flesh. It's interesting, though, that the, the ascetic Gnostics said, well, really he wasn't man. He just appeared or seemed to be. Again, the heretics of the early church. If you remember in reading the New Testament, we find that Jesus wept. We also find that Jesus slept. There was a time when he was so hungry that he sent the disciples into town to get food so that he could eat. And he was so thirsty that he came to the Samaritan woman and said, please, drop your bucket down so I can drink. I will tell you that God would need Neither of these, but Jesus asked for both. It communicates to us that the incarnation is real, that Jesus has always been, that he is fully God and that he is fully man. And John is striving to give this revelation to us that here, the Son of God came for us and he's trying to communicate that not only to the seven churches of asia minor but to all of us who are reading this through the centuries to this very day secondly he tells us that god's revelation is found in the mission of the word we have an understanding of the meaning of that word word of jesus but now the mission verse four says in him was life and that life was the light of men. His mission was to reveal himself as he is. Now the Jews expected an earthly king who would come and conquer the world and free them so that they could rule the world. <coughs> this was a sense of self-centeredness, a desire for power. In John 18, 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. He wants to clearly state that I'm not here to set up any earthly kingdom. I'm here for a very specific reason. <coughs> My kingdom is not of this world. The scripture in verse 4 says, In him was life. He is life. He's not just the creator of life. Even though we can go back to Genesis chapter 1, and see the, the Godhead creating all that exists. But he wants to understand that he is life. That when you, when you follow him, when you accept him into your life, it radically changes you. He is the one who gives life to you. It's more like we're projections of him. No wonder in our 
culture today that we can understand nor duplicate life it's because even though scientists believe they're really close to the origins of life it is god who is life and will give life to each and every one in him was life we find that the life was the light of man the scripture says we sing a song periodically that just so inspires me the words go like this in the chorus shine jesus shine fill this land with the father's glory blaze spirit blaze set our hearts on fire flow river flow flood the nations with grace and mercy now listen send forth your word lord and let there be light comes right into what John is communicating. That Jesus Christ is life and the light of men. He changes us. The Word changes us if we will allow Him to. We find that light reveals, it's a, an understanding of a wayshower. Life is in him. He came to show us the way to life. He has life. He's communicating clearly in his mission that everyone who calls upon his name will be given life. Israel had become lost, and Israel's workers, uh, religious leaders, had become lost in their understanding of what salvation was, and they focused upon works for salvation. And so Jesus came. And he taught. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 10.10 that with a heart man believes unto righteousness. Paul got that from what Jesus communicated, what Jesus did for us. <laughs> with the heart man believes. Believes what? Believes in the Word. That the Word gives life. And the Word will give light. Will transform us. He declared faith, not works, leads to salvation. And that's very important because, you know, we're, we're people that like to work. We like to accomplish a task and look back and say, man, that was a good job. That's something that I really put my, my time and my effort in, and I'm very proud of that. I'm satisfied with that. And that's a good thing. But when it comes to the realm of salvation... We can't work hard enough, long enough. We're never going to be good enough to be able to achieve within ourselves that which we lost in our sin. We cannot bring ourselves to salvation. We cannot save ourselves to get us out of the muck and the mire. But Jesus, he's the one that will if we give our lives to him. His mission was not only to reveal himself as he is, the life and the light, but his mission also was to reveal sin as it is. Israel had this concept, and especially the religious leaders, that you put up a good front. That if you are um, religious and you're in a, a spiritual elitist, if you have a sense of self-righteousness, because you think you know the word so inside and outside and you think yourself better than anybody else and that you're the one that can communicate and share truth to the rest of us 
That's what the religious leaders felt. Jesus looked at the religious leaders. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28, he said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You know, Jesus did not hold back any punches in regards to religious leaders, to the spiritual elitist. He communicated very clearly to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and said, you are completely off base. You're just looking at the outside, but you have not begun to let God do the work on the inside. You project well to everyone. But inside, you're like dry bones. Jesus doesn't matter, doesn't, doesn't have any issue calling sin, sin. He doesn't use different kinds of words for it. He just wants you to know it's sin, it's iniquity. It's disobedience. A spiritual goodness has inner right attitudes that project right outward actions. It's not just the right outward actions that we strive to do as believers in this world with compassionate care, but on the inside we're grumbling all the time about it, or we're complaining or we're saying, gosh, I shouldn't have to be doing this, but I know it's what I'm expected to do. No. No, when there is a transformation that takes place, when there is a, a movement of God in our lives, the outward motions that we do that are good and right come from that inner right attitude that Jesus is in control. <coughs> I think it... Anything less than that is sin, because it starts with our heart. His mission was to reveal himself as he is, to reveal sin as it is. And third, his mission was to reveal God as he is. Very early, the Jews had created this concept of God, either obey or I will destroy. Kind of an Old Testament concept. And the fact of the matter is that that's not all that God is. God is a God of justice, and He is a God of wrath. Those are qualities, attributes that He has, but He is also a God of justice and mercy. God demands obedience, and frankly, we are not capable of it. But Jesus said in John 10, 15, I lay down my life for the sheep he says i know you're not capable of it so i come i come to reveal god as he is and he is a god of unconditional love and he has sent me to take on your sin upon myself because you are not capable of righteousness in yourself God is strict justice, but he is more sacrificial, unconditional love. 
he's more of that agape a god type of love that says your needs are greater than my needs so i will meet your needs and jesus came and he gives mercy and he gives forgiveness god's revelation as john was striving to communicate it he says this is the meaning of logos this is the mission of logos and third he communicates very clearly that god's revelation is found in the message of logos in john 1 12 he says to as many as received him he gave the power to become sons of god the NIV says the children of God, which communicates, I think, very clearly. There are three things that John is trying to get across concerning the message of the word of Jesus. It's a message of reconciliation. To reconcile is to bring two parties together and to reconcile them together. Sin separates us from God. Not just our sin at the very beginning that separated us from God, but even as a believer in Christ, we can live a life that, doesn't, that is sinful as a Christian, doesn't separate us from God for eternity, but it can create a barrier between us and God and bring about a sense of coldness into our lives. And so we no longer allow Jesus to be the Lord of our life. That's a real danger among we as believers, especially when we've been believers for a long time, that subtle things begin to cloud our relationship with God. It's not vibrant like it was. This past Thursday, I began a men's Bible study on 1 John, and one of the things that, uh, that is very clear that John is trying to communicate to these, these churches, to the believers, and to us is that the excitement of that first generation of believers in the church that were so excited because they have come to know Christ they are changing the world now has moved into the second and then the third generation and there's a sense of complacency and well this is just old hat there's something about a person who gives their life to Christ as an adult and their children are small and they're excited and they are engaged and that child is raised in the church and when that child becomes an adult well sometimes they're not as excited because they came to know Christ at a young age but but they've just learned to go through the religious stuff and while they have been transformed, they haven't deepened in their relationship. And they have a tendency to become complacent and indifferent. That's what John was trying to write to those churches, specifically to the heretics who were beginning to emerge in the, the late first century, second century church. And to that second and third generation to say, listen, You've got to understand how powerful this is. And so, he wants them to understand the message. 
And it's what he's doing here in the Gospel of John as well. In verse 12, he says, To as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. A message of reconciliation. He uses that term, power. To as many as received him, to them he gave the power. A power has an, a dynamite type of impact. Donamas. It's an energizing power. He wants them to understand that when you receive Jesus, when you are transformed by Jesus, there is this incredible power that is given to you as you have transferred from people away from God to people who are now engaged, transformed by God, and you have become children of God. <laughs> that message of reconciliation gives an idea that Jesus is the bridge joining us. That kind of power to bring across the great chasm between we who did not know Jesus and were separated from God in this big chasm, and that Jesus was the one. The, the Word was the one that was the bridge to allow us to become have the power to become children of God. Not only was a message of reconciliation where two parties were brought together, where sinners were made clean because of the righteousness of Christ and brought into a relationship with God, a right relationship, but also it is a message of preservation. He uses the word children here. It is an interesting word. It's a word for natural-born children. A natural-born child can never be other than a child of that family. I don't care what they've done. You can go through and do all the contracts you want to release them, but they will always be your natural-born children. They may be one of the smartest people in the world and, uh, and do all kinds of things that are great. Or they may end up in prison for a whole life sentence. They may disappoint you, and they may make you proud. Regardless, they are always your children. When we accepted Christ, when the Word came, and we embraced the Word, as many as received Him, we became the children of God. Our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life will never be erased, cut out, taken away. They're permanently because of what Christ has done for us, not what we did for ourselves. Last, it is a message of invitation. <laughs> to as many as received him. The word received is used in the sense of opening a door and letting a guest in. We probably don't do that as much as we used to back in days gone by. But here the idea is that we have to actually go to the door and open the door and allow someone to come in. We use the Revelation 3.20 to kind of talk about a salvation issue, but in reality it's not necessarily salvation, although it is a truth. But it has a dual idea. 
When Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in with him and sup with him or eat with him. The idea is that Jesus is knocking at the door. And if you don't have a personal relationship with him, what you have to do is you have to open the door and receive him in and say, I, I want you. That's what the idea of this passage, to as many as received him, that opened the door and said, I want you to come in. And he will give life everlasting. He will give you that preservation. We call it eternal security. But in this Revelation passage, he's writing to the churches. And so it has a deeper meaning. This idea that he wants to fellowship with us. He wants an intimate relationship with us. As believers, as his children, he wants us to receive him, to invite him to come in to be the Lord of our life, not just our Savior. He wants the one to be in charge. As a believer, he wants to be the one that's directing us in our life. He wants us to be obedient to him. And you know, down deep inside, we want to be obedient. We really do. There's this idea, this sense that when God transformed us, there's going to be great things that he can do. And when he is the Lord of our life and we actually focus upon him first and foremost, everything that he desires us to do, that he's calling us to do, the purpose to which he has called us, he will allow us and work with us and strengthen us to accomplish whether we think we can do it or not. He'll give us that ability. <clears throat> can you imagine... Here is John on the Isle of Patmos, probably about 90 A.D. He's in exile. He's sitting trying to write people that he had ministered to, numbers of them, and then people that he's never seen, but who are believers. And he wants them to understand the majesty, the grandeur, the greatness that changed his life. That he saw with his own eyes, that he touched with his own hands. How can I communicate to these people Jesus and the depth of a relationship and a commitment that actually has put me in exile here. And he came up with the word logos. Word. And to those seven churches and to all the other churches of the first century going into the second century all the way to us he's communicating God's revelation its meaning its mission and its message and it is that Jesus is the life and the light he'll give you salvation and he wants to be the Lord of your life because when you choose him, you become his child, joint heirs. He's got a purpose for you. Fulfill it. 
he says. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I pray that these very words that in him is life, the life is the light of man, will touch our heart. And that today, Father, I pray your revelation everything that you are through Christ as he knocks on our door either for salvation or to say I, I want you to allow me to be the Lord of your life in everything that you do in every decision as you live life walk with me deeper intimately and be actively engaged in actions that come from inner right attitudes and he says i want you to do that now and so father in this invitation i i pray each one of us would make that decision however you father are speaking to us in jesus name we pray amen so we have our invitation it is wide open what God has spoken to you, you come to the prayer altar, come join the church, come rededicate your life, give your life to Christ. As God speaks to you, as we sing this invitation, I ask you, please, be obedient and come. Let's stand and sing our invitation. Trust Would you be seated for just a moment and uh, Nancy has some uh, opportunities for you Wednesday at 4 o'clock here in the sanctuary will be the quarterly church conference there are packets available for you to take today on both the breezeway table as well as the counter in the main lobby so I encourage you to take one and look those over before you come on Wednesday at 4 
There's also sign-up sheets in both areas for the men's breakfast, which will be a week from Tuesday. And Doyle Miller, our soloist this morning, will be the speaker. So sign up, men, to be a part of that breakfast, if you would. Also out there for signing up, movie lunch this Thursday at 1230. If you would like to enjoy lunch before the movie begins at 1, we need to have your name, and it's a cost of $5. It'll be a Chick-fil-A lunch, and that will be provided for you, but we need to know how many Chick-fil-A lunches to order. So please sign up today. If you don't get to do that today, we need to hear from you no later than 4 o'clock tomorrow. On the back of your bulletin, you'll see that the, both the women's Bible study and men's Bible study will be continuing this Thursday. Those begin at 10 o'clock. And then the just one thing. For January, you'll see the food items that St. Mary's Food Bank would really like to be receiving. And by the way, I think last week or at the end of the week prior, you provided 124 pounds of food that were taken to St. Mary's. Good job, church family. But you'll see the items there that are needed for January. The Watchman Prayer Ministry will be relaunching in February, so watch for details through our Upbeat and other e-blasts and so forth that are coming. Bill Swinney is going to come and lead us in our closing prayer. Would you stand as we have that prayer? May we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for your presence among us, helping us to understand that you are the word and that your word is magnified throughout our lives by trusting in you. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Bless us now as we go our separate ways. You might guide us and lead us in the paths that you would have us go. In your holy name we ask it. Amen. 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 